0: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. And this is
1: London, but coming to you, of course, all over the world, thanks to the wonders of the internet, we'll be talking to the foremost American economist and political analyst, Professor Richard D. Wolf in New York City. And we'll be talking to our own Moats Medic, Dr. Ranjit Brar, who's talked us through the coronavirus pandemic right from the very beginning. He's a man with an interest also in China. And it's China that we'll talk about first uh, with uh, Tom McGregor in Beijing. I don't know what time it is there. I have a feeling it's very early in the morning, in which case we're very grateful to him. And the proximate reason for that, of course, is the decision by the British government to kowtow low uh, to the most controversial president in the United States political history, who might actually even be out of office before the order to ban Huawei, before the ink on that order is even dry. The British government earlier in the year decided to keep Huawei in the 5G rollout. But now they say, citing security concerns, that they can no longer do so. And have in fact, therefore, ignited a trade war with China. Just as we are looking over the abyss after the coronavirus into actual economic collapse. Just after we have fallen out with 27 countries in the European Union who were our biggest market The British government has now added China to Russia and the 27 members of the EU as people were either on non-speaking terms with or sending gunboats to their maritime perimeter. I'm not making that up. We have dispatched our only aircraft carrier to the waters around China. What could Possibly go wrong. Well the last time we dispatched a gunboat up the Yangtze was in 1949 and the Chinese Navy promptly Sunk it and called it the Yangtze Incident and it caused a lot of trouble here in Britain. We weren't used to whippersnappers like the young Chinese People's Republic sinking our gunboats. But of course, China has come a long way since 1949. So has Britain, but in the opposite direction. And so dispatching a warship called after Her Majesty to China is a decidedly risky enterprise and we better hope that nothing goes wrong. When we get there, of course, we'll be joining a veritable fleet of American warships uh, with uh, um, strategic bombers from the United States Air Force flying overhead. As I say, what could possibly go wrong with all of this? In the middle of a trade war, in the middle of a propaganda offensive of unprecedented ferocity, we're actually sending military assets into harm's way, and for what? Well, I can think of only one reason, because Donald Trump wants us to. And the only reason Donald Trump has gone on the war path with China is to divert attention from the Democratic Party's attack on him as a Russian agent, as a Manchurian candidate. How crazy is it that the richest country in the world the most powerful country in the world, is actually confronting two nuclear-armed superpowers only for the reason that the other party is targeting a different nuclear-armed superpower. Joe Biden in the basement tapes, still sleepy, still creepy, is pumping out would be the wrong word, squeaking out his anti-Russian propaganda on a daily basis. So Trump has gone on the warpath against Beijing, whatever the cost to the ailing US economy. And of course, that ailing economy is what we will be talking about later. But what about the British economy? Can we afford uh, to be making all these enemies? China, a country of 1.4 billion people, might have been a tasty market certainly that's what David Cameron and George Osborne believed it would be when they launched what they called the golden era of British Chinese relations now in absolute ruin China is going to retaliate and I think fearsomely against the British economy as a result of this slap in the face over Huawei But is it deserved? We're asking in our poll, why did Britain cancel the Huawei 5G deal? Was it A, security concerns, or was it B, political machinations? It has to be B, really, uh, because if China was a threat to our national security through Huawei on 5G, we wouldn't be allowing them still to operate on 4G. We wouldn't be allowing them still to operate on 3G. We wouldn't be allowing them to operate our trains, and we wouldn't be allowing them to operate our nuclear, nuclear, nuclear power stations. So it's safe to let China operate our nuclear power stations, but it's not safe. Uh, to let them platform Baby Bus and Peppa Pig or whatever else you watch on your 5G mobile telephone. When you put it like that, it just seems utterly ridiculous, does it not? And if China was a threat to our national security through 5G, well, we'd be banning them now, wouldn't we? Not in 2027, when I promise you 5G will be very last year. So get voting on that poll. Why did Britain cancel the Huawei 5G deal? A, security concerns, B, political machinations. Now there's no need for you to have one eye on BBC One because I'll be keeping you updated as to the score in the FA Cup semi-final because somebody is keeping me updated. Uh, And some social Arrived already by email. Jim says, uh, you remember last week we talked a lot about the Maxwell affair, the Galen Maxwell affair and my part in the downfall of her father, Robert Maxwell. Uh, Jim says, quite surprised to read that the court refused Maxwell bail. Perhaps the authorities are going to play it tough. Mind you, the same news item I read stated that the feds had to break into her mansion to arrest her which I don't believe for a minute. I think they did uh, have to break into the mansion, and that's one of the reasons why she didn't get bail. That and having a mobile phone wrapped in tinfoil in the vain hope that no one would be able to detect her signal. Uh, I don't know why they uh, they refused to give her bail. I do know now that she's in mortal danger and her suicide next week was very sad, indeed. And on Facebook, Asif says, I think the establishment will look after Ghislaine, like Prince Andrew. The powers above probably spent the last year preparing her. It's a joke, it took that long to bring her in. So in any case, it will either be brushed to one side or she'll suddenly disappear. And Robin says, what does Boris have to say about Huawei? I thought he questioned what alternative the United States can provide. Well, there is no alternative. The uh, downside uh, on top of all those I mentioned of dropping Huawei from 5G is that we will not get a 5G rollout for three years. Three years it has set us back. Uh, Anyway, that's uh, about Boris. Lex says the big problem with COVID in the US, that there's so many people without health insurance who dare not visit a doctor and actively will not go to any health institution because of the risk of a severe and unreasonable financial mugging by them. This is suggestion suggesting the infection counts could be missing one third to three quarter of the data. Well, if you think about it, there were 60 million people in the US who didn't have health care insurance. On top of those are those many millions of the newly unemployed whose health care insurance was tied to their jobs. And Carmen says, I'm not convinced that the names of the so-called elite appearing on recorded tapes will ever be revealed to the public. Maybe a few names, but not all. I'd be interested in any names at all. Why did Britain cancel Huawei? Security concerns, 34%. Political machinations, 66%. You can vote now on my Twitter feed. Now, Tom McGregor is an American conservative. He's not by any means an enemy of Donald Trump, uh, but he lives in Beijing. And so he's having to reevaluate life, not just because he's living so far away, but because his president, the one I'm pretty sure he would have long supported and would have enthusiastically supported in the November election has declared economic war and maybe more on the country in which he's living and into which he is married. He's Tom McGregor, top man. He's on the screen now, I hope. Tom, thank you for joining us at what I'm sure is, if not an unearthly hour, an inhospitable one. Uh, Now, let's uh, talk about the British first. Uh, Were you shocked? shocked at the british government's uh i think uh unwarranted but certainly uh earthquake making uh, decision on huawei this week
2: no i had predicted this a few months ago when i was talking to many chinese people i was also talking to some let's just say important people in china and i had warned them that uh, the united kingdom Uh, Brussels, the European Union, are also likely to start to uh, uh, place some more restrictions on Huawei. Uh, What's going on is that uh, many countries are starting to worry a little bit about China. Uh, Washington has power right now. Uh, The U.S. is the largest consumer market. Okay? So because countries can make more money from the United States by exporting than they could to China. Uh, you're going to see right now a lot of countries uh, follow suit and sort of support the Washington for this moment. And that would also include uh, Huawei issues on Huawei. But will that
1: still be true when the American economy is falling off a cliff? I mean, how many imports? are American consumers going to be in a position to buy now? There's 30 million people unemployed. There's mass yeah. poverty in the United yeah. States. So uh, oh, another, will that calculation
2: continue to be true? Well, another major issue that I've had, uh, I've had to focus on, and I, I talked to a lot of people who are just uh, focused on money issues. And what I'm telling people now is the big trend is known as localization. Every country is gonna try its part to improve their manufacturing base. They're gonna do what they can to manufacturing inside, so make local, sell local. Uh, You're gonna also see this in the United Kingdom. I believe you're, not right now, but soon you'll see this happening in the European Union. And this is exactly what's occurring right now in the United States. It's a major trend. I'm
1: I'm all in favor of that, aren't you? Sure. I'm, I'm all in favor. I mean, uh, the, it's ridiculous that we are uh, depending on China, uh, you know, for a, for a plaster for our cut finger. Uh, it's yeah. ridiculous that these long lines, supply lines, uh, supply line uh, chains uh, have yeah. become so globalized. I'm against globalization.
2: Yes, I know. And I, I appreciate that, George. I've seen some of your comments. Uh, I fully support a lot of your uh, what you're saying about localization.
1: Now, uh, tell me this: what conceivable truth can there be uh, in banning Huawei for security reasons? When, as I said in my introduction, uh, they're sure. still in 4G, still in 3G, still running our yeah. nuclear power plants. So, how can yeah. there be how can there be a security concern about uh, people watching? Peppa Pig on their phone.
2: Well, maybe you should have been asking Theresa May about that. Theresa May was really into this as she was pushing these deals before Boris Johnson. Uh, You know, but of course, you know, in China, uh, what's really happening, of course, they're going to support Huawei. But at the same time, I believe this localization is a major trend. So uh, the weakness right now is is how, what is the United Kingdom going to do to replace uh, Huawei? And they're gonna have to rely on uh, maybe European or U.S. uh, telecom technologies to to do that. And it's gonna put them behind another year or two to play catch up because Huawei is right now the major leader in the field of 5G networks and they're already starting R&D on 6G. I heard right now, they, if they wanted to introduce 6G, Huawei could do it at this moment. Uh, but uh, with localization, you're gonna see this trend where companies are gonna try to fight for their national companies first. Uh, I believe this is gonna be a major trend for the next few years, and, and, and it's one of those reasons why I believe Trump is going to get reelected.
1: We'll come to that, uh, but you, you discount entirely. THAT THERE ARE JUSTIFIED SECURITY CONCERNS FOR no. CANCELLING the, the, Huawei. Yeah,
2: ABSOLUTELY, THAT'S NOT HAPPENING. OKAY, FIRST OF ALL, AND I'VE ACTUALLY TALKED TO TECHNOLOGY EXPERTS IN CHINA. THEY HAVE ASSURED ME THAT THEY, uh, HUAWEI HAS DEVELOPED, AND that THEY'RE ALSO EVEN WORKING WITH JAPANESE COMPANIES TO DEVELOP TECHNOLOGIES THAT PUT A KILL SWITCH on ON THEM FROM SPYING. SO EVEN IF THEY TRY TO SPY, THERE IS A CERTAIN KILL SWITCH THAT CAN GET TURNED ON to prevent the information going to Beijing. That is absolutely not the reason. Or Uh, or that is not happening.
1: Moreover, uh, the GCHQ, the British uh, uh, intelligence service, GCHQ had a real-time audit, permanent audit, on uh, the Huawei's involvement in 5G. Uh, GCHQ could see everything in real time. Mm It, uh, so the, the public are being cheated here in Britain when they're being told that the reason for this is security. Now, let me move on. Yeah, I totally
2: agree. It, it's a lie. Uh, there's just no way. It's, it's impossible. And even think about it this way. Whenever Huawei is selling a phone, they're selling tens of millions, hundreds of millions of phones. And you're going to get a lot of data come back to wherever they go into big data reports. How is Beijing gonna analyze every single phone that is sold in the world? It doesn't make sense. It's outrageous, it's nonsense. I I would have preferred if governments just said, hey, we're gonna do the localization trend, Huawei, you're screwed.
1: Well, that would at least be honest, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But we can't do that because we can't, we don't have the technology ourselves. Uh, We're gonna cancel China and buy American or buy uh, European.
2: Uh, But localization has at least a decent argument.
1: Yes, quite so. Uh, Let me move on. What will China do to respond uh, to this not just economic warfare coming from Britain and the United States for that matter, uh, but the military maneuvers uh, that I talked about earlier? We're sending our aircraft carrier uh, to China's maritime perimeter, a perimeter yes. which, of course, the U.S. has politicized and uh, and uh, refused to recognize. So um,
2: this is dangerous, isn't it? Well, it's, it's dangerous when bullets are being fired. Uh, you know, you can send uh, ships all you want, but if they're not firing and they're just sort of playing war without actually doing war, uh, it's not as dangerous as it may seem. Look, Look, folks, we're—if we were headed for war, I would not even be in Beijing, okay? So trust me, folks, this is not a wartime scenario. This is not a wartime preparation scenario. Because if it was, it's game over for the world, okay? We're headed for World War III if China starts fighting. But uh, you're going to have certain types of situations where other countries want to show they're off their strong. So they send off their ships to sail around near, near China, and they're going to do their showing off. But as long as no bullets are being fired or, or nothing is being shot and nobody gets hurt, this is just little little games that people play just to, to show off. What it's about the economy then? Will,
3: will
1: they respond economically to the British decision on Huawei?
2: Uh, of course, they will do some type of response because that's how China does things. They love that tit-for-tat response. Uh, if, if I was to be uh, asked for any advice on this situation, I would sort of just let them leave it alone because the look what happened if the U.S.-China trade wars. The more often that China responded, uh, the more often uh, Trump responded uh you're, you then you create a scenario where in, it ends up uh china hurts itself more because you got to realize that they're the world's largest exporter they're the world's largest manufacturer uh it would probably be in their best interest to find some type of compromise uh rather than to can you uh, continue to escalate these kind of problems now you said
1: earlier that uh you are still confident uh, that Donald Trump would, uh, yes. would be reelected. How so? He's mm-hmm. behind in every poll. He's behind in every swing state, even though he's fighting a corpse.
2: Well, the fact is, is fake news is fake news. The same polls that were saying Trump is way behind Biden were the same polls that said Hillary Clinton was going to win in a landslide, that she was going to win Texas. She was going to win all these states. Uh, Trump was going to lose bad. I mean, these are the same posters. The Democrats have learned absolutely nothing from their defeat when Hillary Clinton had lost. So they're just playing the same old games. Now, if the Democrats were actually serious and they really wanted to win, they would not have ever put Biden as their nominee, as a man who can't even speak a complete sentence and be understood by the public, a man who is hiding in his own basement, And he will not even debate Trump. Trust me, he's going, he will not do any of the three debates with Trump because he knows he's going to lose.
1: Powerful stuff, Tom McGregor. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Let's go to Wales and talk with John about Boris Johnson. Go ahead, John. Hi, uh, George. Good evening. How are things? Good. Um, Boris Johnson is, um, you see, it wasn't
4: meant to turn out like this. He, he's a neoliberal. He wanted to have Britain do Brexit, which I supported. But he wanted to go go down the road of being this sort of kind of right. We'll have um, a low-wage Britain and um, extra factories have proof, proof of it. But well, uh, he uh, he he wasn't meant to be like this for him. And he doesn't have the pragmatism to deal with the pandemic crisis. So, like his lockdown was half-hearted. It came too late. Then there was the crisis with the PPE. And then there's the, the crisis in the care homes. And uh, I don't really trust Matt Hancock to tell us the truth anymore. And then there's testing and tracing and tracking and all that. Uh, I just think someone else like Rishi Sunak will be better taking over and maybe Boris say to himself, well, look, I'm not really enjoying the job anymore.
1: Well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, John, I expected Boris Johnson to be a much more impressive Prime Minister than he's turned out to be. Uh, I saw him, of course, as the Mayor of London, a kind of, I don't know, buffoonish, clownish uh, figure, uh, but I thought that the... Ambience of the chamber of the House of Commons would be somewhere that he would shine. Uh, I realise now that I actually didn't see him speak in the House of Commons when I was in it. Uh, partly uh, he wasn't in it for very long while I was, and he was very junior uh, then, so he didn't speak much. Uh, but I'm surprised at how poor at uh, the dispatch box and in debate uh, he is. He's quite lucky, too, because he's facing a corpse also. Uh, A man so wooden, uh, the birds are trying to nest in him. Uh, But if he was up against anybody uh, with anything about them, uh, I think he'd be quickly uh, found out. And I do think that quite a few Tories uh, fancy Rishi Sunak, uh, a man so uh, wealthy that he probably doesn't even draw his salary and Vast expenses. Oh, wait. Uh, I think that uh, Sunak is a potential uh, next leader of the Conservative Party, but are you really saying that that would take place in the lifetime of this Parliament? In other words, before the next election? Uh, I'm not
4: sure which way it will pan out, but you see, Brexit will rear its head again. If Keir Starmer says to the public, uh, look, I promise you we won't go back into Europe. Then Chris Starmer will be the next prime minister if there's an election, uh, which is a long way off. But uh, in the meantime, the Tories may want to say to, to Boris, look, uh, look, look, old chap. You know, all the eating, education is very good and it's good staff and you're well-spoken and everything. Uh, but we need somebody who can really deal with um, simple things like uh, the test track and trace results going to the local health health groups. And testing me more widespread yeah, than that. Well, uh, the, devil has the, definitely
1: been in, the devil has definitely been in the detail for Boris Johnson on the coronavirus. Thank you very like, much, yeah. John. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, now, you can always count on a great deal of interest in Scottish independence out there in South Carolina. It's
5: Mike again on that. Go ahead, Mike. Hey George, good to talk to you again. I never missed your show, and Thank I you. agree with you most with almost everything. And uh, even on the Huawei thing, I think this whole thing is ridiculous. It's just a, another way that uh, America and England are trying to, you know, punish China. But yeah, but, there's, not,
1: uh, but Mike, you know? there's nothing in it for us. We don't have our own no. uh, uh, brand. Uh, That's right. It, it, we get You're rid right. of
5: China and buy somebody else's. It's true. But but what I really wanted to talk about was Scottish independence. I I, I called you late in the show last week. We I only had a minute left and then had uh, a chance recall, to talk yeah. to you about it. But 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 here's the thing, George. I mean, I understand, and I, I want you to understand. I do not have a dog in this fight. I could care one what you know, less one way or other, whether Scottish is is independent or or not. Uh, it's a it's a national issue issue for you guys, but. I mean, if that were happening in the United States, we'd probably fight another bloody war, like the Civil War. You definitely yeah, would. You, wouldn't, you like, wouldn't let California yeah. secede from yeah, the exactly Union, right. would you? No. So, so, no. So I really admire the fact that you guys could actually talk about this and really do it if you want to. Okay? But here's the thing. I, I know that you said that the vote for Scottish independence six years ago was a, uh, a referendum of a lifetime. Okay. No, they and, said and that. We're talking no, about not him. a lifetime, Mike. Yeah, we're talking
1: about- Mike. Not a lifetime. Uh, that would be ridiculous. Although they did say it. Okay, generation. They did. They did say Is that it. That good? But they signed. Yeah. They signed, sealed, but did not deliver a promise that it would be a once-in-a-generation
6: affair. Understand. Now, I understand.
1: Six years understand ain't any kind of generation. Not even a generation but, but- of
5: domestic rabbits. But here's the thing, George, think about it like this. You did that six years ago, okay? And, 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 you know, the Scotland side remained with the UK. Now, but just two years after that, the UK voted to leave the European Union, which, which in that same vote, uh, the Scottish people h- had voted to uh, uh, remain with the UK. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the uh, European you know, Union.
1: If I was a blunt American, I'd answer about with, so what? Uh, but i 'll be more polite okay, uh, i 'll be more polite if you decide to stay in a country, then that country is who makes the decision as to whether or not you leave the European Union uh, you you cannot have your cake and eat it. you cannot say we want to stay in Britain, but if Britain decides to do something that we don 't like and by the way, a million Scots voted for Brexit, uh, that we want to reopen our promise uh, that this would be a once in a generation thing. What you don't understand in South Carolina, how could you, is the paralyzing uh, effect of this never endom on Scottish life, becoming more and more bitterly divided. If you don't believe me, I'll show you my scars some of them sustained even this weekend even this evening Uh, the uncertainty uh, the bitterness curdling into hatred vigilantes at the border screaming at english people get back to england this is a disfigurement of scotland and it has to stop we cannot allow this to go on year after year after year until the separatists get their way. That's where I stand uh, on that. Uh, you are welcome to disagree. Unfortunately, I think Mike has uh, gone. Uh, I want your telephone calls. The number is 02077 982 and the U.S. number 001 757 4480 and wesley says on youtube why do i trust the government of china 10 times more than i trust the government of the u.s because the chinese don't lie to me every time they open their mouth and tim says people who believe 5g fries you are dumb they have no idea how a microwave works and malik says 5g scares the cows our milk will be sour. And on Facebook, David says, I was torn FA Cup semi-final or gorgeous George, this is more compelling. Well, I'm very glad I'm not watching the FA Cup semi-final, I can assure you. Paul says, Hi George, you're the rock and roll presenter on Sundays on Sputnik. Thank you, Paul. And Rose says, I was always taught that it was rude to keep your hat on inside or oh, do you get a life. Rose, if you knew why I'm wearing a hat, you'd be embarrassed that you made that point. Why did Britain cancel the Huawei 5G deal? A, security concerns, 33% down one. And B, political machinations, 67% up one. You can vote now on my Twitter feed. About a 1,000 of you have. Here's a call from Silicon Valley, no less. Masood on Huawei. Masood,
7: go ahead. Hi, George. I've been to Fan too, but I wanted to say something that's a lot more sinister and that's being missed completely. Mm. Uh, Huawei is actually an employee owned company. Uh, 90, more than 95% of the company is owned by 67% of the employees. And this is what makes it really a hungry company. And, uh, you know, so this is really the core of the company, and yeah. it, it often gets missed. It really uh, challenges the kind of the American corporate model. That's the point I wanted to make.
1: That's right. Uh, is it 67%? I thought it was 75 but uh, you, you may be right, you're, you're in Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah,
7: something of the order of 70% of the employees own about more than 95% of the company. Yeah. The in that sense,
1: it's a kind of workers' than- cooperative. Uh, that would be a yes, good reason yes. for uh, Silicon Valley to hate it in itself.
7: Right, exactly. And that often gets missed. And this is just a point I wanted to make.
1: Uh, And a very good, very well made uh, indeed. Thanks for calling from California, Masood. Dr. Ranjit Brar is an NHS consultant, a physician, and a surgeon. And he's been our go to uh, throughout the coronavirus crisis, uh, which, uh, despite what some people would like you to believe, is far from over. And I'm glad to say if there's one upside uh, to the coronavirus, it's that we've all got to know Dr. Ranjit Brar. Dr. Ranjit, thank you very much for joining us. Um, what can you tell us about the impact of the breakdown uh, of lockdown? Because it has effectively now broken down. Pubs are open, restaurants are open. Friend of mine was on the London Underground Uh, coming to work this evening and uh, reports that virtually no one uh, was even wearing a mask. Uh, uh, It's as if it never happened. Uh, Is there any discernible impact of that on the figures?
8: George, pleasure to be back with you again. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think the situation on a world scale is 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 truly scary uh, at the moment george it's a as you say, the virus has not gone away and it's got a long way to run. So in the world we we're seeing fourteen and a half million cases and six hundred and ten thousand deaths, and perhaps we'll talk about the United States a bit a bit later on because there it's really running out of control. Um, here it's quite clear that lockdown, as you say, has effectively Ended. People are going to restaurants. I mean, some people are wearing masks. Some aren't. The rules are opaque. People are themselves confused. If you, even if you're in a hospital, the the rules uh, about processing of patients and wards and PPE change on a on a daily basis. Um, so no one knows quite where they are. Um, certainly true that if, essentially there's a gr- far greater degree of social intercourse. And the, and the British government themselves are. are Concern, giving their mixed messages, wanting to get the economy sorted out, but of course there's a there's a global capitalist economic crisis which they're powerless to to affect really. Um, but at the same time concerned because they realize now overwhelmingly that there is going to be an increase here as well. Uh, I think uh, Chris Whitty was quite clear when he said in September there will be a large increase in cases. He said it very openly, this is unavoidable, and we can expect a large increase in numbers September, October, November. And that's in line with the predictions we've been making based on the evidence that we've been seeing, but it's the most explicit recognition from the government that this is going to happen. They don't expect to have a vaccine ready in time. They're expecting to see a great increase in numbers. Um, People can't be expected to Um, you know, make up their own individual rules. If they're pressured to go back to work, they will go back to work. Um, Economically, they they need to do all they can to try and secure their living. But, of course, it puts the population at risk. And as we've said, the vast majority of the population haven't been exposed to the virus and remain vulnerable, George.
1: Now, uh, on that uh, point, let's deal with that point first. Uh, If Chris Whitty is right, is the National Health Service capable of dealing with that large increase that he didn't just predict, he stated as a certainty?
8: Um, It's a very good question. So essentially, um, there's been the mantra uh, from our government that their principal aim in the way that they've dealt with the crisis has been to stop the NHS from being overwhelmed. It's my contention that the NHS absolutely was overwhelmed and it was overwhelmed and that's reflected in the fact that all other elective services and a skeleton were were closed down and really only a skeleton emergency service was provided. That's in line with the expectations that if we were to meet a pandemic as modeled and tested on a national scale during an operation in 2015 called Operation Cygnus that we've discussed before, overseen by um, our our previous uh, health secretary, uh, honey, uh, was um, essentially showed that the NHS would fall over and did fall over. Um, so I don't think that we do have the capacity uh, to deal with a large increase, as we didn't really have the capacity to deal with it in the first place, other than by shutting down our already you know, uh, vastly overstretched NHS. We've seen that there are now 10 million people waiting for appointments and procedures in the NHS. is an unprecedented number. Uh, and that really is an indication that the NHS has failed to cope, It's failed to cope because of a deliberate process of running down capacity with a view to forcing people into private insurance and the, uh, advancing the agenda of privatisation of the National Health Service, George.
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm one of those in, uh, in that sense. Uh, my wife uh, is going to give birth any day, any hour, any day, Uh, and we are doing it at home, a home birth, something I thought passed into history uh, when I was myself a small child. Um, I myself would never have considered that, Uh, but if it was the choice uh, of uh, having a home birth or going into a potentially deadly hospital overwhelmed by coronavirus, it was a no-brainer in the end, and there are many people. Uh, we know have died, cancer patients, for example, uh, who have not been going into hospital because the hospitals have been overwhelmed. I'm just wondering if if September is as bad as Witty thinks it is, we'll be, we'll be back to where we were, uh, back at the very highest point of this crisis.
8: I think that's right. I mean, um, home births, of course, have become very fashionable. And for those who are very well and, and have the, are lucky to have a, a midwife in attendance, then it can be a good environment in which to have a baby. It's not my first choice, I think, because um precisely because childbirth is so high risk. Um, but at, at the present time, the balance of risk has changed, I think, with co- coronavirus. And everyone is doing everything they can to avoid attending hospital unless absolutely necessary. And that's understandable to a degree, but it's also an indictment of the way that we have organized the health service during this. We learned that um, uh, the government are basically in talks to continue to buy up all of the unused capacity in private health service, so they must be paying billions for that. And we've seen that this week revelations about billions of other contracts. Uh, to firms who are unable to supply goods and services, but billions nevertheless having been passed to them, all in secret, all without scrutiny, all under this current legislation pushed pushed through on the back of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, and we're seeing that increasingly. So it's reasonable for people to try and avoid hospital, um, but the fact that rather than use other centers, so we really needed from the very beginning to have centers separate from the main NHS. That were dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and that would have been the sensible way to approach things rather than funnel the coronavirus into hospitals where there are vulnerable people, funnel people from hospitals into the private care system where there are even more vulnerable people, not protecting the general population, not putting test, testing, uh, uh, tracking and tracing um, and social isolation facilities uh, at the forefront has been our failing from the beginning and all of that has been conditioned upon the way in which our NHS has been organized and the pressure it's under constantly to rationalize, downsize, make cuts year on year, with a view to soften it up for privatization. That's been our tremendous failing, and I fear that that will put us in a very serious situation uh, as we approach the winter, George.
1: Now, uh, you mentioned the United States. Uh, I said last week that if Florida was an independent country, it would be one of the most afflicted countries on the earth. Uh, tens of thousands of cases a day, uh, and uh, that has not uh, improved in the last seven days. Rather other states, uh, like Texas, like Arizona, uh, like California, uh, have gotten very much worse. Why is it so out of control in the United States?
8: I think that's right, George. Um, Florida. Has had 12,000 cases in a single day, and Florida has had 350,000 cases. So Florida has had as many cases of coronavirus as the UK, test-proven cases. And the United States on Thursday had its worst ever day, um, where it 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 posted 77,000 cases in a single day. So essentially had the number of cases in a single day. That China has had throughout the whole pandemic. And we've talked about, again, the reasons that underlie the US response. But now it's become at at a certain level within the community without there being an ability to stop it spreading in the major centers of population where it is in an exponential growth phase, where the R number is very high. It's predicted to be around the three mark. And that really means that. You know, one person is passing on to three, is passing on to nine, 27, and so on. So it's really um, a huge rate of increase, and it's very difficult at that stage to stop the disease from spreading. Um, We know from the beginning why they haven't been able to get on top of it, and that's been conditioned by both the political system. Uh, the Trump administration the poor political briefings the overwhelmingly the private medicine and the lack of access to medicine and we've said it again and again but it's it's worth repeating that the richest 3 people in the United States have the same amount of money wealth power as the poorest 200 million and that's an incredible statistic so it means that there's a vast Underclass in the United States. We really don't have access to the kind of first world facilities that you would expect to be present. And that's precisely, again, because of their insurance based system. And that's the system, of course, we're driving towards in this country. Very recently, last week, they announced the closure of Epsom and St. Helier Hospital, for example. So there's a constant pressure to downgrade our NHS structure. Huge numbers of contracts being given out to the private service. And everything is being pushed in the direction of us following in the footsteps of the United States. And particularly at this time, you couldn't really. Uh, think of a worse uh, way for us to go in our healthcare provision. And of course, amidst all of that, the level of aggression, the rhetoric against China is really stepping up, almost onto a war footing. And uh, We know that Huawei, you've just been talking about, the can- contract has been canceled. But really, there's a, there's a trade war, a global economic war, a war for the minds of people that is going on and underlying this crisis. So while the United States is unable to look after its people, it's constantly pointing the finger of accusation, in particular, at China as being its largest global competitor, the new workshop of the world. And it's desperate to sanction other governments, including the UK government, to stop us from doing trade deals. And it was disappointing, perhaps not unexpected, to see Lisa Nandy, even the Labour Party uh, um, uh, shadow foreign secretary, uh, actually embarking on that war rhetoric and trying to out- uh, out-trump Trump, to, tr- to out- outdo uh, Boris Johnson, and accuse the government of not being hard enough. That The solution to all of this, you know, somehow, is to be extremely draconian in our relations with China. And once we step onto that diplomatic footing, you know, it's preparing the ground for you know, trade war. And trade war is the prelude to war. And we definitely want to avoid that course with a nation like China, it's not in the interest of the British working people, and it's certainly not going to help us cope, cope with the corona pandemic, George.
1: Well, when you said even, Lisa Nandi, I immediately uh, thought that never was the word even more otios than in the case that you cited. I'll be talking about China on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock online on all uh, internet platforms. Uh, And I'll be expanding on some of the points uh, that you have just made there. Dr. Ranjit Bra, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Why did Britain cancel that deal with Huawei? Security concerns 33%, political machinations 67%, up one. You can vote now on my Twitter feed at George Galloway. Let's take a 60 second break. Sean is in Stevenage on the NHS. Go ahead, Sean. Hi, hey, George. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Apart from the result today.
9: Uh, well, I wouldn't know about that. I've been out and about doing things. <laughs> um, I just want to pick up on what Dr Bra was saying about these contracts being let to private firms. Yeah. As I understand it, there's some £5.5 billion pounds worth of contracts let for procurement of stuff for the nhs PPE, whatever one in particular um there's an example on craig murray's website he's done an excellent report and a breakdown on this particular firm and i'm sure it's an example of how we're being robbed blind this particular firm is an investment firm it's a family office fronting their investment management they have won a contract for 250 million pounds no competition tendering. sole sole, sole tender to that firm. They're an investment firm. They have no experience in PPE for the NHS. Why have they been given this contract? I'm sure, and I'm sure that there's an example in this other £5.5 let alone, as I understand again, the £10 billion which has been wasted on that track and tracer. and the people around the government have wasted no opportunity and yet again getting their hands in the till and robbing us blind. While this coronavirus epidemic is going on, while half the country's possibly going to lose its job, lose its livelihood, they've got their snouts in the trough and they're doling out contracts to people who've no business. Being in that line of work, I should know. I've worked in engineering, Uh, jobs in construction and procurement, major EPC contracts uh, in highly regulated industries. And I know that any medical devices or medical equipment is going to have certain standard specifications. You don't give them to a firm that's got no history whatsoever. Well, I don't know. We, uh,
1: we We gave a contract to a ferry company that had no ferries.
9: And it's exactly the point. You've
1: hit the nail on the head. It's that again and on a massive scale. Much, much, that, much, that much was
9: bigger. That 50 million quid.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that's, the call, uh, that's the call of the night, uh, Sean. Uh, I, I've said before, uh, I don't want a public inquiry into the uh, British and Scottish government's handling of the coronavirus crisis. I want a trial at the High Court, at the Old Bailey. I want these people... Who are responsible for all of this to face justice thanks for the call tess is in wales on china go ahead tess
10: hi, oh hi john hi. hi out by sean uh, that that call spun me out i forgot what i'm going to say but, yeah um there's a lot of this propaganda right about china there's loads of it kicking off all of a sudden we had andrew ma earlier on talking to uh the chinese embassy guy i, I can't remember his name and all those videos that are coming out all the time, right? I'm, I'm really worried that we're we're right into a war here and the people are gonna be happy to do it because already everybody is up in arms about all this propaganda, which is what, what it is, isn't mm. it? So, well,
1: how what, could we have a war a- with China? Uh, China could sink our entire, air, our entire fleet of aircraft carriers with one missile. Uh, When it reaches when it reaches the the uh, South China Sea,
10: well, it won't be just us. When it will be ganging, we'll be on like Mm -hmm. America's side, won't we? Mm -hmm. We'll be their little chums. So we'll did Well, uh, you're right to be you're Mm -hmm. right to be
1: worried about it because, not least because, uh, when you collect a lot of military assets in uh, one area, uh, you're counting on uh, the people whose area it is. Uh, Not retaliating against your presence. You're also counting on no accidents happening You're counting on no commander going rogue Uh, Uh, And of course we now know that many times during the last Cold War World War three could well have erupted but for uh, a bit of sagacity on the part sometimes of uh, military officers or a bit of sagacity on the part of political leaders in turning down the demands of military officers. We could well uh, not have been here today, Tess. The world could then have been destroyed. Uh, But how, how, you know, we've got to be lucky every time. And are we going to be? That's a big question. I just hope that there
10: are still some people around that will, that will stop Stop well, it, if it comes I'll be to talking it. Like, it uh, about sense.
1: this on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock test. Uh, don't forget to tune up. in. Uh, Eves, thanks for the call. Eves is in Idaho
3: on Donald Trump. Eve, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. I, I wanted to discuss about your short, you know, about Huawei. And, um, you know, it was a very, uh, there is, like usual, a lot of humor in that short and all that. But I think uh, the situation is very serious and you, you, you occulted it a little bit. And I want to give you, um, since I have very little time, I want to give you five things and then we can go from there. Number one, you have Pompeo one month ago going to Israel. And for once Pompeo say, I want China out of, the, out of Israel. I don't want the Silk Road. And uh, Netanyahu said, yes, sir. Two, you had some talk between Trump and Erdogan. And Trump told Erdogan, you can have your Ottoman Empire. I back you on on, uh, Libya. Uh, So bad too bad for the French. Because the Ottoman Empire is directly against Russia and China. Three. He goes to england and he say forget about huawei we want your ship in the china sea and they say yes sir the fourth thing is going to go they are going to go to denmark and germany and say we don't want any of those uh, north stream and i don't think the german are going to bow but i don't know and five very importantly and i think it was missing in your show today is the nagorno-karabakh conflict which is in my opinion straight from the state department it directly uh, put a new front between turkey and russia through azerbaijan and this is five and what do they try to achieve they have two goals in america it's not a question of the huawei or anything Number one, preserve the dollar as reserve currency because the, uh, the dollar is debased. And with, the, with this dollar, what do they do? They buy company for the intellectual property right. You see, that's how it goes. You have to, when, you, when you think about intellectual property, you have to think Alstom in France. That was a very good example. You have GE who bought a company. They fire everybody. They keep the patent. And now when we want to to build turbines for our submarine in France, we have to pay royalty to America. I just wanted to say that.
1: Well, uh, the Nagorno-Karabakh situation is a very serious one. Perhaps we should put it in its own right on our agenda. Uh, It's true that this very week, uh, the Turkish NATO member was fighting with the French NATO member over Libya, uh, where neither of them has any right to be, uh, but both are there along with everyone else. Now it seems as a result of the disaster that has been visited on Libya. I saw uh, uh, President uh, Obama uh, say the other day, as he said before, but with more detail, uh, that the intervention in Libya was the biggest disaster of his presidency, or as he put it, the biggest mistake uh, of his uh, presidency. So Libya, uh, the conflict between Azerbaijan and uh, Armenia are, are both uh, potential fronts, uh, but the South China Sea is the most serious one because there you have uh, US strategic bombers, uh, a whole fleet of American warships, soon to be joined by the British aircraft carrier Queen Elizabeth in an atmosphere, not just of trade war uh, and uh, absolute outright sanction like the Huawei case. Uh, It's not uh, that you can buy Huawei, but you'll have to pay a tariff uh, on top. It's a straight ban. Uh, This is an act of economic war. And then of course the Hong Kong uh, issue on top of that, Uh, this is all boiling up to uh, a very serious situation Eve last word to you
3: yes well uh, I completely agree uh, um, to add something about uh, Turkey you see uh, the way the way I think uh, they distribute the role is that America is going to take care of China mainly the US but Turkey has the role of attacking Russia on three fronts: Libya Syria and now the South Caucasus
1: you very see, interesting Listen, uh, Eve, uh, that was a terrific call. Now, the doyen of economists and political analysts in the United States is undoubtedly uh, Dr. Richard Wolfe, Professor of Economics, and I'm very glad to say he not only joins me now, he's been waiting for a moment or two, for which I apologize, Professor. Uh, let's talk economy first and then politics if we may how bad is the american economy today
6: well let's put it this way uh, george Uh, i occasionally have cups of coffee with my colleagues on the right and in the center and of course also on the left where i am and here's what we say to each other Even though we don't agree on how we got into the current situation, nor do we agree on how to get out of it. But here's what we agree. This is the worst condition of the American economy in our lifetimes, and most of us have white hair. So you can get the answer to your question is the economic crisis of this country is unspeakably bad. We have uh, beyond anything that we have seen at least as far back as the Great Depression of the 1930s and in some ways already worse than that.
1: Adam Brite, if you will, the the key statistics, unemployment uh, and so
6: on. I'd be glad to. Over 52 million Americans Our labor force is normally considered to be about 150 million people. Out of that, 52 million, more than a third, have had to file for unemployment insurance compensation over the last 15 or so weeks. We've never seen this kind of unemployment uh, since the Great Depression, and even then it took several years of depression to get that bad This time it only took several weeks of depression to get that bad. Number two, we have the greatest degree of debt, government debt, corporate debt, and private individual debt that we have ever had in the history of this country, and the debts are rapidly accumulating, as I speak, for all three levels. Uh, We don't have any precedent for this sort of uh, thing. Number three, in a sign of how desperate the situation for us is, you have the Federal Reserve, our central bank, the equivalent of your Bank of England, has now pumped somewhere between three and five trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars of brand new money into the economy in order by flooding everyone with cash to somehow get them to buy or spend that money and perhaps somehow no one can specify how uh, to revive the economy. It has not worked and this is my final point because the money doesn't go to hire anybody since with a third of your labor force unemployed, you cannot sell what is already in inventory And it's not going to expand any business for the same reason. So all of that money flows into the stock market, where indeed it has pushed the price of stocks up. Which means, since only about 6 to 7% of our people have significant uh, amounts of stocks or shares in companies, what you are doing is further exacerbating the inequality. Think of it. The top six or seven percent riding on a rising stock market alongside the vast majority of our people, desperate, either because they're unemployed or Because of the fact of unemployment, employers are everywhere forcing down wages and benefits, threatening their workers, that if they don't accept it, well, there are plenty of unemployed people that can be hired. You put all of that together, and it's only the tip of the iceberg, and you get some sense of the desperate economic crisis we are living through.
1: How I wish you were running for president uh, right now, but you're not, uh, and we'll come to those that are uh, in a minute. Um, But uh, many people in America, I'm sure, and many watching and listening to this show will imagine uh, that this is all because of the coronavirus, Uh,
6: but it isn't, is it? Not at all. It's a very important point. Uh, The National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, a a government and well-established agency here in the United States, is the official record keeper. They are the ones who decide whether a recession or depression has happened, when it started, when it's over, and so on. They issued a report about two and a half weeks ago indicating that the current economic crisis began in February of this year. February is before the coronavirus hit the United States and establishes quite clearly that what we have is a breakdown, a downturn, a recession, a depression, a bust, whatever word you want of our capitalist economy, made much worse by the pandemic. But to blame the pandemic is really silly because we know that capitalism has downturns on average every four to seven years. It has had that for several centuries. The last one we had here was in 2008 and 9. so we were precisely overdue for the next one, and all we have now is the horror of watching a very bad economic downturn made worse by the global pandemic.
1: Now, the uh, 1930s Great Depression uh, was only brought to an end by rearmament and war. What's going to bring it to an end
6: this time? Well, we're all wondering. We're all wondering when it will end, how it will end, what the form of the ending will be. I don't think anyone has a very clear idea. Um, We have a desperate president, um, in case people are not aware of this. Uh, His poll numbers are declining sharply. His opponent in the presidential race that culminates early in November uh, is gaining on him uh, a bigger and bigger margin, um, and he is behaving appropriately. The only war that's on the horizon... And clearly, that is one of the options they are considering. The only serious war would be the one with China. And everything is being done by the administration here, Trump and the Republican Party, to provoke, to attack uh, larger things, small things. It's an endless effort to uh, basically scapegoat the Chinese. Uh, Mr. Trump refers to the coronavirus as, quote-unquote, the Chinese flu, uh, as if to blame them uh, for the miserable performance of the United States government and private sector in dealing, or rather failing, to deal with this virus. Um, There are saber-rattling against the Iranians. There is saber-rattling virtually against everybody. But mostly this president so far... Uh, seems to understand that if he were to add to the current disintegration of this society, an external war that a large portion of our people would oppose from the beginning is probably gonna make his dilemma even worse. Uh, from the basement tapes uh,
1: of, uh, of uh, the near corpse uh, that is Joe Biden. We hear <laughs> equal uh, uh, invective, rhetoric, th- threats, implied and explicit against Russia. We've we've reached a situation where, in your country, God bless you all, uh, one half of the political class has gone insane about China, and the other half uh, of the political class has gone insane about Russia.
6: Absolutely, I could not put it better. Um, I call them scapegoats. It's a way uh, the attack on Russia begins with the defeat of Hillary Clinton. Uh, The Democratic Party establishment could not admit the colossal failures of that party, of its government, including, unfortunately, Uh, Mr. Obama, the last president, they could not admit that they had, in effect, defeated themselves, so they needed an external scapegoat. And the Russians were the convenient whipping boy, uh, and so the Democrats became the party of scapegoating Russia. And Mr. Trump, who needed an equivalent scapegoat especially as his regime got itself into more and more difficulty by virtue of their policies, and they found it in China. And one of the reasons, and this is, of course, troubling, one of the reasons Mr. Trump has turned on the Chinese is because he knows that the established Democratic Party is almost as willing as he is To scapegoat the Chinese too, and only ask in return some support from the Russians, uh, excuse me, from the Republicans to scapegoat the Russians. As usual, the Republicans ignore what the Democrats want, but the Democrats are all too willing to join in the demonization uh, of China. Uh, Just to give you one concrete example the United States continues to this day to wage major war in Afghanistan, in, in Iraq, and elsewhere against Muslim people, having killed, injured, and destroyed Muslim countries. By comparison, what the Chinese are doing, and I'm not defending it, but what they are doing uh, in their own country is a, a bare footnote, if you like, on what the United States has done the arrogance, the, the hypocrisy of these attacks, even, even now after all that we have been through is really stunning and I think testifies to the fact that this is a country here, the United States, of which I am a lifelong citizen. This is a country that is spinning out of control. What you see in the statistics for the coronavirus which are spectacularly bad here, uh, is really again another symbol or sign of just how bad the situation here has become.
1: How bad and how uh, entirely uh, ineffective uh, the political system is. There's no party, there's no person, there's no system which appears to be able to pull you out of all of this, Professor?
6: Absolutely. I mean, we are very, many of us, and it has to be said honestly, and on a program like yours is a good place, very disappointed that uh, Bernie Sanders and the enthusiasm and support he proved he had made the decision uh, to fold his tents and to become the, uh, the chorus behind Mr. Biden. It was a moment when you could have had a break, when you could have had an independent movement. Even when he made the decision before the virus hit, it would have been the right thing to do. But in the, with the benefit of hindsight, seeing the disintegration that's going on now, um, that would have been such an independent effort, the only positive poll that thinking people across the spectrum would have turned to not so much because it was good, but because the other two, the established Republicans and Democrats, are so unremittingly awful.
1: It's an honor uh, always to interview you. I suspect this interview uh, will go far and wide. Professor Dr. Richard Wolf, thank you very much indeed. For joining Thank you us on George, the...
6: and my, my best to you as well.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that very, very much indeed. That was uh, exceedingly powerful, I must say. Um, Mary says, Prince Andrew isn't allowed out of the basement these days. Poor thing. He has much in common with Biden. Maybe they can compare hair sniffing techniques. And Ian says, perhaps he's a coward with a guilty conscience and knows the effect that showing his face would have. And J.P.R. says uh, Prince Andrew was in the photo. He was there disguised in <laughs> there, disguised as Prince Philip, whose timely death last week meant the Queen's favourite son could t- take his place by her side, hiding in plain sight. That's in poor taste, J.P.R. Long life to the Duke of Edinburgh. Liana says Pizza Express, no doubt about it. And Limbo says he was at home watching the video with Tom Markle, Meghan's dad. He doesn't do weddings either, apparently. And on Facebook, Richard says, don't agree with anything, with everything, George says, but have more time and respect for him than any other politician alive. Thank you, Richard. And on YouTube, uh, Zaid says, America's a big mess at the moment. I mean, really big mess. It's time for America to concentrate on America and its people than wasting more of its last pennies on wars. And Joanne says, no wonder America's a mess. Not one political party addresses the real issues. Tony says, Prince Andrew wasn't photographed because it would be silly for him to be seen giving his daughter away, when recently it's usually other people's daughters giving him away. Liam's back on the line. Go ahead, Liam. George.
11: Hi, hi, Joseph. I, I think we lost you there.
1: Yes.
11: yes. Basically, I think I heard you mention Biden there, and I think I think your basic point was he is a bit of a neocon, um, as well as the other guys. I I agree with you. I think if um, if I if I'm one of those guys, obviously China is the enemy right now. I would be looking at you know sponsoring some kind of uh, you know I don't want to say jihadist uprising in China, but you well, there have been. I mean, that's yeah. the,
1: this is a point which. Uh, seems to have uh, uh, passed Andrew Marr by. Uh, the yeah. reason there's an issue uh, in Xinjiang province and with some Uyghur people is that an Al Qaeda ISIS insurgency was generated uh, by the United States in that area. I have a specialist and certain knowledge uh, on this and have done for uh, more than 25 years. Uh, The, the, the the struggle in, in Xinjiang province in China is not between the Chinese government and the Muslims, uh, but between the Chinese government and the extremist Islamist factions uh, that have killed uh, huge numbers of people in jihad. Yeah, well that, that doesn't
11: surprise me, George, that the Americans are doing that, because they've got history of doing it, haven't they? Sure. They, they want to make out that, uh, you know, obviously, they, you know, eh, the jihadists are the ultimate enemy, but their secrets have been funding them. Well, not secret, but they've been well, openly quite. funding them for the years. The same you know, jihadists
1: from, that knocked down the Twin Towers and yep. murdered 5,000 Americans are the same people that we are backing in Syria, for example.
11: Yeah, Mr. Ben Salman as well with his, his hacksaw.
1: It's really, uh, I think we're going to have to do uh, a whole item on the show uh, on this point, uh, Liam, because it's quite clear that, uh, you know, there are some people who believe uh, that after killing millions of Muslims over the last uh, 20 years, the West is suddenly concerned about the plight of Muslims in China. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to believe it that. Funny, yeah.
11: It's like when the BNP saying that, you know, you, you can't be anti-semitic and they've got the Israeli flags out, but, you know, 70 years ago they would have been on the front streets uh, marching against the uh, Jewish shops and Jewish businesses wanting to close them down and basically kick them out of the country, isn't it?
1: Exactly, so Liam, thank you uh, for that call. Nick asks on Facebook, where is Norma, the legend? That is a very good question. We didn't hear from her last week. I do hope that she's okay. Gary says, what would you think about legalizing cannabis in the UK and giving all profits to the health service? And no, I'm against the further stupefication of our country, totally against uh, legalizing uh, dangerous drugs. Steve says, I don't think anyone knows what Trump is thinking. He's too dense. And John says, that's not a comet in the sky. It's Norma on her Vespa going home from the pub. (laughs) Constance says, there could be an uprising in the US with its current economic and political problems worsening dramatically during this pandemic. But the question is, will it be progressive or reactionary? And on Facebook, Mark says, I wonder if American life would be better under Hillary Clinton. I never wonder about that at all, Mark, because I'm perfectly sure that the answer to that would be no. Shiab says the reason they don't want Huawei network is the National Security Agency can't hack into the network to monitor your calls. This is the main reason. Nasir says Huawei has guaranteed that its network equipment will not be compromised. So I do think it's an exaggeration to oust them out of the country, and Steve says on YouTube, "I don't think Huawei will lead to conflict. Chinese are not that stupid. It's not the Chinese I'm worried about." Steve uh, Rogue Cow says the USA is a magical fairy bank, can print unlimited money while passing debt and crumbling infrastructure onto the poor taxpayers. And du, Dew, D E W D O D says, "Houston, we have a problem." Uh, let's go to david in edinburgh go ahead david uh good evening george uh, i wanted to ask you how you thought
9: we could stop the rampage of the scottish national party in scotland and how to fight this cancer of of nationalism, which is which is tearing the country Apart, you know, it's turning friend against friend, family against family, and it's a terrible time, and my fear is it's going to get worse and worse, I wonder what you thought we
1: could come at it. Well, very powerful uh, call, David. I'm back in Scotland. Uh, I'm uh, fighting the elections uh, next May uh, for the uh, Alliance for Unity. You can follow us. Actually, on Twitter, Alliance for Unity, Uh, 10,000 followers in eight days, it's really taken off. There is a big public uh, for someone to step forward and fill the vacuum uh, that exists in Scottish politics, uh, where the unionist parties cut each other's throats and the Scottish nationalists rule forever uh, on a minority, very small minority. Uh, of the votes. Far more people uh, don't vote for the SNP uh, than vote for them. Uh, but if they're all standing against each other and failing to unite, uh, then uh, of course this endless never ending that I talked about earlier will continue. Uh, I will be speaking, uh, David, on Monday night at eight o'clock on all social media platforms on Scottish nationalism the SNP and the coming battle for Britain. Uh, thanks uh, for the call giving me the chance to say that. Uh, I didn't expect it, but it's a, a useful one. Uh, Julian is in Lewis, in East Sussex. Go ahead, Julian.
4: The on a minority. Oh. Oh. Uh, yes, watch the
1: radio off, yeah. Uh,
4: sorry, here's <laughs> It's okay. Okay. Um, So I was just interested in the fact that um, both the left and the right media in the United States have uh, dumped on Russiagate. So if you look at um, uh, Aramate on uh, Rolling Stone's Useful Idiot's channel, a great demolition of um, Russiagate.
1: No, Um, he's, uh, (laughs) he's really strong on this, yeah. He is. And then you go to the
4: Duran, which is a conservative channel. And I'm not a conservative, but they have uh, picked up on yet more news on the demolition of Rushgate. And it is, it is really important that people understand how bad that is for international relations, how awful that is. Anyway, it was just Well, the, the
1: Russians are getting a bit of a break at the moment. Uh, it's, the, it's the Chinese that are getting it more. Um, they are. But the, the, it's, uh, it's two cheeks of the same backside, isn't it? Well, I mean, uh,
4: yeah. Uh, I mean, why can't we live with the Russians, live with the Chinese? Well, and we'll, even have build.
1: Uh-huh. we'll have to. We'll have to. Russia is the biggest country in Europe. Moscow is the biggest city in Europe. Yeah. In fact, Russia is yeah, right, right. the biggest country in the whole world. Uh, its well, economy, when linked with, with the Chinese, uh, which is the second biggest economy in the world, uh, will soon yeah. be the biggest economy in the world. Uh, you, you don't have any choice but to live with them, Julian. Well, I no, I want to work with them. Exactly. I want to live
4: with them. That's what we should have them. been doing That's all after right. Brexit. They're just people. They're
1: just our cousins and brothers and sisters. Anyway, that's enough. Thank you, Bye. Julian. Thank you. Uh, Tarif is in New Orleans. Tarif, welcome.
12: Um, Hi, uh, Good afternoon, sir. Um, I'm glad to be calling back on your show again. I want to talk about the protest that's going on in Oregon. Um, I'm just a um, bystander. You know, I'm from New Orleans. I've been watching the news lately. I've been hearing that you have this political football going back and forth. What are you calling the, these men driving around in these minivans that's unmarked? you got people jumping out the vans, uh, federal agencies with military uniforms on and just taking people off the street. What the, the news media and Nancy Pelosi is not saying is that these men is act, actually is protected by the Patriot Act. They're not bringing up the Patriot Act at all. Is this this is the situation
1: up. in Portland that you're talking about, is it?
12: Yes, sir. It sure is.
1: It's really that, quite that horrific. Situation. It's quite horrific, isn't it?
12: It is, sir. I, I, I totally agree. It, it's very horrific. But they, when it, if they go to trial with this, they're going to be protected. Those um, agencies, they're going to be protected because of the Patriot Act and the Pfizer Act, right? They need to repair those two um, I'm grateful. I mean, don't go too long. Well, who's, who's going to do that? Good.
1: These acts got bipartisan support.
12: Exactly, um, because uh, what's his name, Joe Biden? He, um, he helped... Biden, wrote it, Biden with... wrote it.
1: He wrote the Patriot yes, he, Act. He, he,
12: he did. And plus, he was on a 94 crime bill, too, that led to the uh, lockup of a whole bunch of poor people. Black people, uh, poor white people, Hispanics, and whatnot, and now they're putting this man up as a savior. That's not right.
1: Well, he's the most dilapidated savior I've ever seen. Not since El Cid was strapped to his horse whilst dead have I seen a leader like Joe Biden. Tarif, thank you very much for the call. David says, congratulations on getting Professor Wolf on your show. The man is so clear, concise and knowledgeable. That is why I follow him avidly. Your comment, he could do worse than run for president, does not go amiss. I said more than that. I said how I wish that it was you that was running for president, and I do. Yinka says the Jeffrey Epstein story is fascinating, but it's absolutely disastrous. They abused tons of girls, probably boys as well, for decades. It was a global network of wealthy people abusing children. And on Facebook, Mo says, what do you think about the emerging Green Party? Where is it emerging, Mo? It's emerged in Ireland to prop up the worst government in living memory. It's uh, emerged in Scotland to prop up the worst form of nationalism. Uh, It's emerged in America putting up a candidate uh, that... You wouldn't let go out for a loaf of bread to the shops. Nicky says, Cannabis is not a dangerous drug, George Galloway. Actually, it is. But I don't have time to argue the toss with you. I was asked if I'm in favour of legalising it, and the answer is an unequivocal no. We've got enough stupefaction in the country already. But clear the decks. Because the legend that is Norma in Bristol is on the line. Norma, you're a sound for sore ears.
13: (laughs) George, I wish I did have a vesper in the sky. (laughs) I thought
0: that was a wonderful image.
13: Yeah, it was. I've had a terrible week. Very stressful. My computer's been hacked. I haven't even got a computer now. However, I... uh,
1: Hacked by whom?
13: Oh well it's, it's, it's terrible. People, have, I, I can't even go into it all. It's been very complicated and I passed it over to a friend and I think he's going to get me a new computer and everything wiped and new stuff on. Um, it's been very stressful
1: actually. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. And what about but, your health and your husband?
13: Oh fine, but listen I want to tell you about my two dreams I had recently. The first was Oleganis' son. What's his name? Solskjaer. Solskjaer, Yeah, yeah. The Man United manager. He took me out um, to see all the European capitals, um, and he was very nice to me. Now he mustn't be smiling tonight. I don't think because he lost. No, but
1: he is a very nice man. I can tell you that.
13: Yeah, yeah. But the second one included you, George. This is perfectly true. You sent me a packet of cigarettes for my birthday, but there were only three and a half cigarettes inside the packet, which wow. is very odd
7: <laughs>
1: But that, <laughs> that is an amazing dream. a packet of first of all, that I would send you a packet of yeah, cigarettes.: yeah, quite. But secondly, that I'd nick 16 and a half of them.
13: Yeah, Yes, and you broke them one in half. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> What I did want to say at the end of all this is that um, I do hope my next dream will be for you, for a lovely, bouncing baby, for a home birth for you and your wife. So let's sort of think of something nice.
1: That's such a lovely thing to say, Norma. Uh, it's uh, The baby's due this week, yeah. uh, but uh, I've got a feeling that, that uh, it's going to be in the early part of the week. It might even be. Now, I might even have managed to avoid it by being at work. Um, ah. But uh, it's a home birth, so there's a bit of extra yeah. stress no, but there. I, I, I
13: had a home birth, and there was no problem.
1: Yeah. No problem. Of, of course, if there are no problems, it's great. Because you're in your own environment. Yeah. It's safer than being in a hospital. Uh, and uh, and uh, your, your, your comfort and your family are all around you all the time. But uh, it's when yeah, it isn't. Yeah. It's when something goes wrong, God forbid, uh, that you're in trouble if you're a, a homebar. Because then you've got to jump in an ambulance, you've yeah. got to call one, get one, and get there.
13: Uh, it'd be all right, George, it'd be all right, I uh, know uh, it
1: uh, I very much hope so, but uh, thank you very much indeed for your kindness. And when I see you, uh, I'll replace <laughs> those cigarettes uh, that I uh, nicked <laughs> but didn't smoke, I can assure you. Norma, thanks, it's wonderful to hear you again in very good form. Uh, last call of the night, I think, uh, Ahab in Detroit, Michigan. Go ahead, Ehab.
7: Yes, hi, George. Um, so, I was thinking about Biden and his election as president of the United States. Uh, I think him becoming a president is just a continuation of the same old establishment. Sure. Um, it's just gonna drive whatever Direction America is in right now um, in the same direction that is uh, a dissolution of uh, of an empire. Um, related to that dissolution is the state of uh, America's economy, especially with the U.S. currency being a fiat currency. I did write something on Facebook, uh, on the show's platform, uh, saying that. For every U.S. dollar that someone maintains outside the U.S. is a free dollar for the U.S. because the U.S. does not pay any money for that other than saying this is our money and we back it. Um, with the U.S. Uh, slapping sanctions all over the world willy-nilly, if that blows back and people decide, you know what, we're going to have another currency, let's forget about the U.S. currency, the U.S. stands to lose much more than just uh losing trade with um, the the countries that it is slapping sanctions on.
1: Do you know, Ahab, that there are currently 39 countries under sanction from the United States with a combined population of two billion. So one quarter of all the people of the world are currently under sanction by Washington. Thirty-nine countries. I counted them up, because I I began to wonder how anyone could know uh, whether a country was sanctioned or not, because there were so many of them. And it's 39 countries, 2 billion people. Can you believe that?
7: Yeah. um, (laughs) I come from the Middle East, so I track those things down.
1: Well, are you from Lebanon?
7: Yes, sir, I am.
1: Now, they're even sanctioning Lebanon. They're even, yeah, yeah. they're even threatening right now, uh, Lebanon right now.
7: Yep, right now Lebanon is under pretty much U.S. sanctions, uh, which is pretty much is starving the people into starvation. But to tell you the truth, that's not going to happen because, um, again, uh, Iran is going to nullify that. And it's well, already right. happening.
0: They're
1: driving, uh, They're driving uh, Lebanon into the arms of the people that they say that they hate. Uh, it's another example of the law of unintended uh, consequences.
7: consequences yeah. I,
1: I had uh, such a wonderful time. I've spoken twice in your part of the states, in, uh, in Dearborn uh, and also in Detroit. Ihab, it's wonderful that, that you were the last call. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that. George Galloway, your moat show is the highlight of my week. I spread the Gospel of Galloway every Monday morning, says Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. So I'm speaking tomorrow night at 8 on Scottish nationalism and Tuesday night at 8 on China. And you can find that on my Facebook, on my YouTube, on my Twitter uh, and on the Alliance for Unity Twitter feed on the subject of Scottish nationalism. It's been marvellous for me, I hope it was for you. I've gotta get home now and see if my sixth child has arrived. I hope so, but whenever it arrives, please pray for a safe delivery for my good wife. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, whether I've got a baby or not, I'll be back here next week at the same time, in the same place with the mother of all talk shows. May God go with you.